Welcome to Tracks to Success, brought to you by Presentation Partners. This is the podcast that brings you inspiring people and their inspiring stories. How did they find their way to the top and how can their path help you do the same? Here's your host, network broadcaster, executive and entrepreneur, Craig Cam. Right now on this edition of Tracks to Success, You'll hear from a man who's more comfortable being tied to others' successes than he is being a champion of his own purpose. He's climbed from one of the most humble beginnings to become one of the most recognized producers, directors, cinematographers, editors, and photographers you will find anywhere. He's put his stamp as an image maker on big name media megastars like Usher, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Pink, Tony Braxton, and Carrie Underwood, just to name a few. He's also built media campaigns for huge Fortune 500 companies like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and IBM, and also associated himself with the NFL, NASCAR, Major League Baseball, and DirecTV. And that's just a start. His work creating music videos and images has put him front and center with big clients and big events like the Olympics. In two words, this man is the gold standard. He's a creator, a collaborator, and a consummate professional who pours his time and his purpose into projects that get other people the glory while he's completely content with the joy of watching it all happen with his masterful artistic blueprint. It's time to meet Mill Cannon, an award-winning workaholic known as Image Mill. His inspiring story and this edition of Tracks to Success starts now. Mill Cannon, I'm thrilled to have you join me on this podcast. Uh, Very excited about it. Truth be told to all our listeners, somebody made a little introduction. Mill and I got to know each other and immediately said, okay, why are we not going to do this? This makes way too much sense. So I want to thank you. And the other thing that everybody should know, Mel Cannon, is this is your first ever podcast. How lucky am I? Thank you. You're welcome. I tell you what, uh, I haven't done them. Um, I'm always behind the camera. I'm so busy, a little bit of a self-proclaimed workaholic. And in order to you know manage everything I have to do, I have mentors and Dwayne coming. Dwayne Cummings, it's his fault that he got us on here. This is my first ever podcast. A lot of people have asked me to do it, but I always kind of shy away. Uh, the story is, Dwayne, about 45 days ago, he challenged me to a 30-day uh, renaissance. Um, and so he challenged me to do 30 days of posting on things that I remember, some of the momentous moments in my life, some of the things I've learned, some of the big lessons I've had. And one of his challenges was, at the end, I want you to get in front of the camera and tell your story on a podcast. So I agreed, and here I am. So this is kind of outside your comfort zone. Are you comfortable being uncomfortable? You know, I'm getting that way. I work with a lot of millennials now that make me fun again. And, uh, you know, I've always been in a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and I've always given little, little excerpts, but I've never been one to want to jump out in front of the camera. I like being on this side of the square quite a bit. And, uh, you know, maybe as we go forward, I'll try to externalize a little bit. That's part of the challenge. And you're helping me with that today. All right. Here's where I want to start, even though I technically have already started. Mill Cannon's the name, but people say it's 
image mill. Image mill is what you're known as. How did that come to be? Image mill is a lifelong, uh, I guess, nickname, if you will. But it's also my handle, my moniker, my business name. It's even uh, been my studio name for most of my career. The way it started was um, I was born in Savannah, Georgia, 1965, in a military family. Uh, my father, he got shipped out to Anchorage, Alaska, in the Air Force. And so we as a family, my sister and my mom, we had to go to Alaska. And on a GI Bill, you were living in a trailer at the time, and your father was working. And then he went to Frankfurt, Germany, and he bought a camera, a Petra 35. In fact, I still have the camera. He brought it home. And, you know, when you're a kid and you want to work around your dad, you want to see what's going, you're formidable. You're only three. So he kind of showed me how to, how to hold a camera and thought it was cute until I got in trouble running out and playing with it and shooting up all the film and getting in the dirt and things like that. But when the film came back, there was a few pictures at the end, uh, legend has it, that uh, were of me. And we had an old trailer that burned next door and it had some uh, furniture on the outside with a mirror, got it reflected in the mirror, somehow it got in focus. And when that happened, it was kind of a joke. My Aunt Belinda tapped me on the head and she said, look at the little image mill. I felt so proud. And I thought, wow, cameras, that's love. You get liked, you get noticed. And that started everything. So. They named me Image Mill as a joke. That's my company today, always has been. And if you ask anybody, that's what they know me as. That's pretty cool. And it fits and it works. Now, with what you do, and you do a lot of different things, you've helped a lot of different people. I'm going to throw some big names and big brands out here in a second. But technically, you're an image maker for a lot of people. How would you define image maker? Um... You know, we have so many ways to gather images. When I started, there was only a few, film, photo, and drawing. Uh, but as the digital wave came along, it became animation and after effects and different types of digital manipulations and how you do film and photography. It's gone all the way through, just like audio, it's gone all the way through celluloid to digital tape, you know, all the way magnetic tape, all the way to our digital files today, to a phone, and to all this instant digital gratification. And so I've really kind of gone through all of that. And the one thing I've noticed is the content never changes. The square that you use on the front of everything never changes. And that's been the one consistent thing that I can say has, uh, has, has formed me and, and really is what makes the image mill. Again, I'm on this side of the square. Everybody else is on that side of the square. And so it's my challenge from that little boy all the way up to do something wonderful for the square, to make people happy, to get a pat on the head and be called image mill. It's like this circular thing that I just love and I live off of it. Well, you're actually helping raise the level of their image as well through imagery in so many different forms. In the open, in my fancy little open, I tossed out some of the superstar people and the big name brands, huge brands that you uh, have worked with. They have trusted in you to show them the best way to put themselves forward, to put their brand forward. Bell South, Burger King, Nike, Ford Motor Company, Universal, Sony, Gloria Stefan, Usher, Collective Soul, Mariah Carey, Carrie Underwood, Tony Braxton. I mean, I could go on and on. That's just a short part of the list. Have you ever sat back, Mill, Image Mill, and said, wow, what the heck? How did this come to me? Wow, you know... I don't know that I've ever really been able to see it like that. I mean, I guess the camera found me at age three. Clearly, God wanted me to have a camera and pull me up out of where I was and use it to meet people and to influence people. And 
um, I took it real serious. I was a big student of the game. I was always early, always learning. And I really tried to develop a skill set that I could use to help people put their best foot forward. And the one thing that I love the most about helping people like that is they're going to remember their images, their music videos, their designs. They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. They'll be showing their grandkids that. And I get to be attached to that. So um, I always wanted to put people in their best light. And then when they get a you know, pat on the back, they turn around and give me a pat on the back. So once again, I was kind of unfortunately built that way affirmation or, or performance-based approval. I've learned to deal with that these days, but I tell you what, it really is a motivator when you help somebody and they appreciate it. And that's kind of what this is all about. Yeah, you lift a lot of people up. All right, I want to run through some of these big names. Uh, I've got a handful picked out. I want some quick comments. First thing off the top of your head, if you will, uh, with the di different names that I bring up. So here we go. Let's start okay. with Mariah Carey. 13 videos for her 2015 world tour. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes in this business, you never know when the phone's going to ring. There's an art director out there who's done an enormous amount of tours. His name is Barry Lather. And uh, every once in a while, he'll call me and he'll say, I've got something big, let's go. Well, he called me one night and he said, uh, Mariah is going on tour, I need you. 24 hours later, I'm sitting there talking to Mariah Carey, going to her baby pictures. And for the next 28 days, we spent building the tour, doing the rehearsals, creating dance videos. I'm, I'm the first person ever shot a video of her kids. And when all that goes by and she goes on tour, you just realize, wow, I just worked with literally one of the best singers in the history of our country or in the world. Even. What an honor that is. Uh, so I would say that it's very diva-like. It's very upscale. It's very particular. She's very much a professional. And that's why she gets the vocals she does. She's incredible. Yeah. How about Pink? Oh, Pink. Now, let me tell you, Pink, she's one of my favorite artists because she keeps it real. She's very... She's kind of street. You know, when I first met her, she was just getting signed. I worked on her very first stuff with her and got her going. And she has an attitude. She does, she's not scared of anybody. She'll tell you off real quick. And you can hear that in her music. You know, uh, uh, I remember, uh, you know, just a few of her songs and I would be like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then we went live and she sounded better live. And then she came off the stage and she says, oh, I don't do playback. And so she's a tough girl who sings it real, has got great attitude, great street smarts, and that comes through in her music. If you listen to a big record, it's a lot of fun. One of my favorite artists. Two-hour concert movie for her Storyteller tour. We're talking about Carrie Underwood. Uh, there would be a lot of jealous people here, too. What's she like? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't know what it would be like to work with Carrie Underwood. You know, you see her win the American Idol, you see this girl off the farm that's like golden grams and honey and, and sweet and man, she's all that. That's exactly what I experienced um, doing both tours. She is as nice as the day is long. Uh, you know, she's a great family person. She's respectful of all her people. But boy, when you turn on the, 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 the music, she could do 24 songs in three hours and be carrying notes 15 seconds long on the 24 songs. So I was really impressed what that little gal can do, but more impressed with the type of person and the type of management she has. They pay you well, they feed you well, they thank you at the end. That's the kind of people you want to work for. Someone like Carrie Underwood's folks. They're great. That's great to hear. How about Tony Braxton? Uh, Tony Braxton's from Atlanta. You know, she came along at a time where Anita Baker was really big. Here comes this little gal with short hair, just beautiful, right out of here. And boom, just like that. She's like almost the new Anita Baker in Seoul. 
and she had some amazing songs and uh, she really liked videos. She was very attractive, so she liked to do upscale videos. And we did some things that went around the world that were really cool, some you know photos and shoots, different EPKs and things to help her market. I think I worked the last time with her on something called The Heat and we had a sing-along that Spanish guitar. That's when she had long hair. And uh, but Tony Braxton probably didn't get enough respect. She's one of the most talented people I've also ever met as far as a singer goes. I mean, not everything goes right for everybody all the time when it comes to business or health, but maybe we'll hear from her again because she's got a golden voice, that's for sure. Speaking of golden voices, and if there was a Mount Rushmore of, uh, of great singers, I'm guessing Whitney Houston finds her way there and you've worked with her as well. Well, yeah, you know, you never know how things are going to happen. And uh, I get a call because uh, somebody else in another production company kind of fell down and they said, hey, I know somebody in Atlanta who can really take care of business. And I get this call. Can you work with Usher? I mean, excuse me. Can you work with uh, Whitney Houston in 24 hours at the Biltmore Ballroom with 600 candles? I was like, yeah, what else you got? <laughs> and, of course, I hung up the phone <laughs> and I started going, oh, my goodness. And so I started calling my best people and everybody came to, I mean, everybody came to play and we just got there on time. We had it propped, we had it set. And then they were nine hours late coming in on plane. So we sat around and we slept and we were losing our time. And we had fire marshals and a big crew and cranes. And lo and behold, she shows up. She and I had to become friends real fast in order to accomplish this in a built more ballroom with fire, you know, but we did. We made a beautiful Christmas music video. Everybody on my crew, they put that as one of the top things on their whole career. And uh, who else, you know, who can say they've made a, you know, Whitney Houston video, less than 50 people in the world. So I'm happy to be one of those people. And that was just, that was something special about that. I think I know where you're going to go with this based on the fact you, you half dropped his name already that you might have a special relationship with this one. And that is Usher. I mean, come on. You created videos for his Truth Tour uh, in 2004. And, and this relationship is big. Yeah. yeah, it's a big relationship. I tell you, you know, you look back at your career and you go, how did I get Mariah Carey? How did I get Whitney Houston? It all started really when I broke out with Usher. I mean, there were some other groups and other big acts, but Usher, he was really hitting it. So I worked with him when I was young, when he was young, but we didn't get a chance to meet because I wasn't the director of that first video. But when he got into his third record, he started becoming one of the biggest artists in the world. Uh, his mom, Janetta Patton, uh, gave an Atlanta kid a chance. She heard about me, seen my stuff. And while everybody was coming from Los Angeles and New York to Atlanta to work with Usher, she gave me a chance. And then I, end up doing more work than anybody for years with Usher. I've designed several tours. I've designed several films. I've done multiple music videos, edits, CPKs, designs, you know, Grammy designs, and um, everything from the Olympics. I mean, Usher is the ultimate entertainer. Uh, what I can say about Usher is he taught me a level of work, work ethic that I've never seen any artist, artist go about. He knows what's going on. Uh, he's a heck of a singer. He's an incredible dancer. Hmm. an enormous entertainer. But on top of all that, he's just a good guy to know. He's just a sweet guy. We cut jokes and make fun. Um, he lost one of my cameras once they took and uh, they paid me back for it. But anyway, so Usher and I've had a great relationship. And when we did Confessions, it was the biggest R&B uh, project of all the time, still is. And we're happy to all be a part of that. It took 75 awards, that project. So Usher is just at the height of all heights. I mean, Michael Jackson said he's the new Michael Jackson. So if you know anything about Usher, you know he's the ultimate guy. 
and there's so many awards that they all won through videos that you were a part of that that you can say, hey, that was me too. But that's just not the guy that you usually seem to come across as. You just gave some real good quick hit comments about them. Now, before I start tracking your success story a little deeper, I want you to tell me your quick hit thought on you. What should our audience know about Mill Cannon or what the others might say about Mill Cannon? Well, I think there's a pretty common denominator in all that. I've only been one thing, always, every day, all, all the time. So most people, if not everybody, would say, oh, that's Mill Cannon. He's the image no, He's the image guy. He will, his stuff's amazing, and it doesn't matter whether he's working for Usher or Carrie Underwood, Mariah Carey, if he's working for an emerging artist or someone that doesn't even have a budget, he does the same thing. I've always taken it a pride, especially from, you know, my humble beginnings of helping the small guy. Not everyone has a big career, or a lot of money or stuff, but some of them have amazing songs and everybody has a dream. And so I would say that uh, I look at the big artists and the lowest artists just getting started exactly the same. And it's all relative. What can I do for them at this moment in their life with what they have and pour into them? And that's my philosophy. If you always pour in and deliver and deliver extra, it always works out. It always works out if you do that. That's one thing I have learned. Has to be because of your start and the beginnings that you talked about in Savannah and the trailer park that you talked about. Uh, take me back there. What was that really like for you, your parents and the upbringing that you had that, that taught you this work ethic that you just described? Well, you know, I grew up in a little bit of a welfare state. You know, um, my father, uh, he was a military guy uh, when he got out of the military. Uh, we were young and he went into some industrial work and he got in a bad industrial accident. So bad, in fact, he was in critical care for a long time. He had a halo, he broke his neck and 64 of the bones. He had part of his arm ripped off and we were just kids and in Little League, you know, and he was our coach and, and he got decimated and it really did something to his spirit. You know, at that moment in time, you know, things like God isn't real. You know, here I am, this kid trying to get this uh, guidance from my father. And so the way I found happiness is I went around other people and took pictures and drew pictures and everybody would say, oh, you're awesome. They pat you on the head. It was love. So the way I was counting love was I was playing baseball and sports and doing art and photography so I could be away from home as much as possible because he was struggling so hard. And um, there was some abuse going on there. I hate to say that. A lot of people had that. We didn't know. And uh, in our neighborhood, a lot of things like that happened. People got married, divorced, people wrecked cars, uh, but we also got together as a family and there was so much love. My grandfather was sort of an oasis partner for all of us. And whatever my dad didn't give me, my grandfather gave me tenfold. So he really kind of helped me believe that I could be something. Don't listen to what he's saying to you. There is a God, there is hope. You're gonna make it kid because you've got that talent. Everybody can see it. And that really gave me the self-esteem to get up and out of what we call humble beginnings and not succumb to it. And that was really probably one of the most important things I can say looking back now that happened to me. Because it was a struggle at the beginning, it is not a struggle now. And uh, even though I didn't have a sense of self then, God had that camera in my hand, that square in my hand, and that you know love in my heart to take pictures. And if I didn't have that, I couldn't tell you where I'd be or what I was doing or whether I'd even be alive at this point. But I'm real alive, and I love taking pictures, so thank God on that one. Wow. So that that picture, that one picture or image is really what did launch you and and maybe pushed you um, to leave and get out at a younger age. 
your biggest influencer then was who? Is there one specific person you say, I owe them so much more than I could even share? I think there was a school teacher or two, a coach or two, but there was one person that I never got a chance to meet this guy. I've been in the room with him 10 times. He's sort of a hero of mine, but looking outside of myself, Hank Aaron, you know, we were little leaguers and he was trying to hit the home run and he did hit the home run. And he was like a hero to me. He was in Atlanta and I wasn't that far away. It was a city, you know, and I, I started to dream outside of Savannah. So Hank Aaron was really uh, the inspiration. Look where he came from. He had played in Savannah and, you know, he had to go in segregated seats. He did a home run and be the best player on the field and not be able to sit in a restaurant in those days. And so I was really inspired by Hank Aaron. I was really guided by, by my grandfather who believed that, you know, be nice, open the door, be a gentleman. It'll take you a long ways. But really, I met a teacher. Her name, you know, uh, her, her name is Miss Weathers. And Miss Weathers really meant a lot to me. She saw my talent early on. She got me into executive for a day as a, as a teenager to come to the TV station where I met her brother, Doug Weathers, who was a news anchor, news director. I was way too young to do anything, but they let me start washing cars because I just wanted to be around cameras. And so that was a real big moment for me. A few years into that, um, I got a chance to, to become a cameraman at the station. And when I got a driver's license, I got a job. And two years later, I was cameraman, best cameraman in Georgia. 1984 for the Associated Press again in 85. So as a young person, I got that opportunity. I'd already prepped all my life loving cameras. The moment I got one real camera in my hand and got it to go on TV, that was it, man. That that was where it really exploded. So it was a teacher who saw my talent and got me into a TV station. And that's how I got started. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you have a TV career of any kind in local news, which I did, you pretty much know the call letters yeah. for, for so yeah. many stations. So WTOC in Savannah is one that I probably sent a resume tape two years ago. <laughs> so the thought of you, you know, with that camera on your shoulder, which is exactly what I had. I was in Columbus, Georgia at uh, WTVM. So I, yeah. I always remember yeah. that stuff. Your first first opportunity, that stuff is Super, super. I'll never forget it. That, that gave me a chance to do something and then see it on TV. And then people go, I saw what you did. And that was just, that was amazing to me. And that's what I wanted to do over and over and over and over. I'm still doing that every day over and over. So that's really been a great thread through it all. Hey, everybody. I really want to tell you about Ahead, one of our new partners this season and now the official headwear provider of Tracks to Success. Creativity, a sharp look, dozens of styles to choose from. Ahead's been supplying the most prestigious events and outfitting the world's top golfers for 25 years, and it's perfect for you as well. So if you're looking to dress for success, make sure you think ahead. Here's your chance to save big. Visit aheadusashop.com now and use the code TTSPOD. That's TTSPOD and receive 20% off your purchase. Ahead. The finest in headwear, the official headwear of the Tracks to Success podcast, and available at aheadusashop.com. Brand builder, image maker, entrepreneur of the highest order. That's what I'm throwing your way, Mill. Not just you, but Momentus. Momentus is the big brand name also tied to your company. How did you come up with that, and what does it really mean? It has to have some significance. Well, yeah, we needed to try to diversify and do some other business. We want to do a few film projects, and I had a film that I wanted to do. So we created another business, sort of an agency. And I wanted to come up with a name that would mean something that people would remember, that would involve people, that would, you know, help us tell the story. So 
um, I always loved the word momentous because it meant like top of the world, ma, you know, or I just won the championship or Rocky, you know, on top of the building. It was people's moments, you know, and that's what I want to capture. I don't want to capture the everyday. I want to capture those special moments because that's what people remember. So I came up with the name momentous, but you, know, you couldn't get momentous on URLs. And so I typed in moment us and it was available and moment us, moment us, man, you know, if you spend a moment with us, yeah, yeah, if you spend a moment with us, We'll tell your story. In fact, we'll sell your story. We're story sellers. And so we came up with this concept that uh, we tell momentous stories and we help turn your stories into sales. So where I, where I work in one aspect of Image Mill is all music, entertainment, design. When it comes to developing projects or partnering or developing projects in film, we do momentous and that's what it means. So momentous is, is where we hope to end up doing something highly momentous. We also have a group of artists called the Momentous Artists that are print artists and cultural artists, and we're working to develop a group like that right now. So it's it's in the process of evolving. Can't just be image mill all the time if you want to grow and help it impact other people. So that's what that is. There's a great story behind every great person. There's a great story behind every big brand. And storytelling is so big today with so many people talking. You got to have a story that connects with people. So I want to know when you kind of figured out that you were a big deal, that you that you were a hit? Was there a person who told it to you, maybe an award that was attached to you, uh, a specific video that took off? What was that moment, if you will? Well, I think it was a lot of micro moments. Uh, it seemed like every art program I got into, I liked the teacher, a teacher like me. Every time I entered anything, I, I would win. I just got used to that, and it just kind of built up and built up and built up. But when I won the Associated Press Cameraman Award, I went to Atlanta, and I met Ted Turner, who I would later work for quite a bit. And uh, he looked at me, and it was another Georgian at the time that was really big, Herschel Walker. And he looked at me, he said, kid, you got what it takes, just like that Herschel kid. But only you can mess it up. Maybe you'll work for me someday. And lo and behold, I did work for him. I did his 25th anniversary business video and lots of things for Turner. Worked for CNN, TNT, the Cartoon Network, uh, many of his networks when they were in Atlanta. So Ted Turner, he really made it real. That's cool. That's a, that's a big name. And that, yeah, uh, that's big. that that's big in Atlanta. I thought you were going to say the Olympics in 96 because Coca-Cola signed you to a deal to work on their Olympic image, right? Coca-Cola. That's we're talking right. about major brand here. What was that yeah. process like? Well, first, let me go back on that. I want to say this. I'll tell you what, when I was a kid um, and I was thinking about what I would want to do with, you know, I've watched the best commercials and you know, mean Joe Green and did the Coca-Cola thing and Coke. We like to teach the world to sing. And it was just sort of like the biggest. And then when I got an advertising school, I found out Coke was the biggest. They had cut so many new paths in advertising. They were so cohesive. Heck, they, they created Santa Claus with the Sunbloom Sun Santa Clauses, which I had a chance to do a film about all these years later. And I thought to myself, man, if I could ever be on a Coca-Cola crew, that would really be a big deal. And that was then. And, um, you know, now I've, I've done more than 100 productions for Coca-Cola, multiple spots, a couple of Olympic games, hmm. and uh, just so many branded things from, from Super Bowls to, you know, hockey tournaments to NBA championships, on and on and on. Coke sort of is everywhere when it comes to sports marketing. Got a chance to do NASCAR and market with Jeff, with Jeff Gordon. And then when he left Coke, we did the Coca-Cola family. And so all that led up to one thing that was probably the biggest moment. But the biggest moment in all of that, 
was during the Olympics. I got hired to do the torch film, the torch coming from Greece all the way to the cauldron in the stadium. And Coca-Cola was able to bring the torch all the way up to the stadium. And then Bud Fan would have Janet Evans bring it to Muhammad Ali, and that's the famous moment of lighting the torch. But for the 28 days prior to that, I was strapped to a motorcycle in the back of a truck shooting film and making this film um, for the magic of Coke. It opened the Olympic Games. And it was seen by 1.6 billion people. And uh, I was there when the, when the flame left Greece. I was there when it hit Savannah. I was on the midnight train to Georgia to, 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 the, uh, uh, to the Atlanta headquarters of Coca-Cola. We put it on the cauldron and see that thing light up and know that I followed the flame through the Olympics. And I was there at the moment on the stage. Uh, it, it can't possibly get much bigger than that unless you're in the SpaceX going up or something like that. So that was really, from a commercial standpoint, Coca-Cola was the end all and the Olympics, there's nothing bigger. So I wanted to talk to you about that because the Olympic torch film Reach Higher, right? We remember that song. I mean, that alone, Gloria right. Stefan. And another big piece, the pre-opening feature with Celine Dion. I mean, right, right. did you watch those games as you kind of just alluded to and, and just kind of, I don't know, did you cry? Were you emotional about what you had just been a part of? <laughs> You know, I didn't even get to see it. Um, the fact of the matter is, while that was happening, we had 36 commercials, virtual signage, uh, 18 different crew members. Uh, I had a whole crew of people. We had Olympic City. We were making commercials and opening things and virtual logos 24-7. I don't even remember what happened in the Olympics other than we just worked as hard as you possibly could, and then it was over. There was a bomb. That really made it different. You know, right in the middle of the Olympics, that happened. And right. it was just like, wow. And Coca-Cola had so much invested. And the next thing, though, you're sitting there with marshals and they're taking your camera going, what do you know? Really weird time. Uh, they made a movie about it uh, with Richard Jewell. You should check that out. But but truthfully, just the fact is, once it was all over and you could really look back, that was really rewarding knowing that, you know, billions of people saw your stuff right from Atlanta. And it wasn't just me. It was several of my filmmaking friends. I got to be able to be part of it. And um, we had a really good team. And Coca-Cola owned it and we put up the most advertising. They're the best advertiser at the time. They always supported the Olympics. And, you know, in the corporate world, I don't know that you can get any bigger than that. I'd love to have another one. I've had two. I'd love to do another Olympics. It's a lot of work, but I sure would love to do it. Yeah, I bet. You've worked with so many big corporate brands. You just rattled off arguably one of the very biggest. Uh, when they come to you, what are they looking for, Mill? Is it pop? Is it eye candy? Is it is it something that, that resonates, that people will talk about for a long time, that has longevity? What do they say in a meeting like that? Hey, Mill, come sit with us. This is what we're looking for. What are they looking for? Well, you know, I'm the, I'm the edgy music guy. I'm the fast cut guy. I'm the sizzle guy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people can do, you know, the body of a piece. So I get hired usually to do the commercial, the opening, you know, the poster, or the, you know, the big sizzle that you would see promoting an event or the opening of, of, of a big sporting event or something like that. So most of the time people come to me because I work with big music artists and I and I protect their brand and they go, wow, we need this Sprite commercial to have a hip hop flavor to it. So let's get a real music video director who's got chops. And so it's more of a crossover. You know, I, most of the people that call me, they want something very sizzly, very tricky and very music-like. And that's right in my wheelhouse. And so... Uh, that's where I get my business, and uh, it's it's generally someone calling me. I don't I don't market, so I've, I've never really marketed. It's just all been word of mouth, and 
and sometimes there's a line and sometimes there's a pandemic, you know, you just never know what you're going to go through in this business. You just keep moving that square around and uh, you just, when those big calls happen, you just hope that you get a chance to do it again. Yeah. You're very fortunate. We live in such a visual society mill and you're designing things. You just talk about sizzle video and, and we've rattled off also some, some very big superstar entertainers. Are they looking for the same thing as a sizzle, a pop? Uh, when they come to you, Mariah or Usher, what are they looking for? Uh, uh, it, it's a mixed bag. I would tell you that the large artists, the, the biggest artists, they've done so much work, so many videos. They get tired of doing videos. They're bu- they're busy. Um, they don't want to spend three days doing a video out in the heat. Uh, a lot of times you'll see someone like Elton John, Mariah or something, Whitney, do something simple. They want to be less is more. Sometimes less is really more. When you've made it to that level, you don't have to keep doing fancy videos but when you meet a young artist who's got a really hot song and they're not broke out, that's where you put your muscle because you want to break an artist like a Pink or, or something like, you know, Collective Soul or one of those groups that ends up having a 20-year career because someone got a chance to hear it. For me, I like the song. I like to connect. I don't always connect to the projects that I do. I always do well at them and try to make them the greatest I can. But when I like the song, then it becomes like a video game. I forget about business. I forget about money. I just go, how can I make this the coolest? So the little boy, that little three-year-old boy in me, the image mill comes out. And so as long as I keep doing that, as long as I keep connecting with the artist and pouring my heart into them and letting them know that I I understand what they're trying to accomplish, uh, a lot of times they don't know. Sometimes there's a bunch of people that have told them what they should do, and they're just not sure of it. And so for some reason, I I have the ability to assess the scenario and just come up with my own thing. And that's always worked for me. The moment I start to analyze everything and bring in a lot of other people, it really dilutes the commodity. But if you give me the ball, uh, I'll run straight down the field and get that score. I'm always the turtle, you know, but the turtle always wins. And if you over deliver and you win, they'll call you back. They'll tell their friends and the phone will ring. And that's what happens. That's how you do this. But for all you young guys, over-deliver, 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 do it well. And that's what makes a long-term career in this business. Yeah, I always used to tell people when I worked in in my TV networks or uh, the LPGA as a communications head. Yeah, you got a lot of play. Take what is given to you and give back something better than anybody ever expected when they were giving it to you in the first place. Make that over-delivery. It it lasts forever. Season two of Tracks to Success is brought to you by Presentation Partners. Presentation Partners is a unique team of award-winning executives helping you build a presentation others will be talking about. Presentation Partners teaches you the true art of storytelling. And if you haven't heard about their neuroscience of persuasion, you'll see how valuable it is to own it. Whether you're a company or an entrepreneur, Presentation Partners is the team you need behind you. For almost 15 years, they've helped clients raise millions in capital and countless dollars in sales simply by making top leaders successful presenters. The time is now to find your authentic voice and learn your authentic story. Presentation Partners, creating persuasive story presentations based on something other than just your good looks. Now, Mill, if I if I took uh, five videos, okay, and only one of them was yours, that were all professionally done, would we know exactly which one 
was Mill Cannons. Do you have a, a stamp, a trademark? You know, people know this one's done by Image Mill. You know, there's been times where I've had some trendy looks like that. Uh, most of my friends and most of my colleagues would go, oh, that's a mill video. So whatever they see in it, I think they just see a, a cohesive video with a beginning, middle, and end that rocks and that has the right tempo, timing, pacing, flow that matches the brand. A lot of people don't even think about timing or pacing or flow or matching a brand. They're just making squares with what they know. So I think that if you can feel the piece and you put your heart into it and you time it right, you put your flow and your essence and all, it just comes out and people recognize that. Oh, it's tight. It hits where it needs to hit. It has the right crescendo, you know. Those are the kind of things that I like to, to uh, go after is how can I make something that's like rat a tap 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 you know, have edits that match that beat, you know, surgical editing, just to get a little bit of a feel through a video. So I think I'm eclectic. But I think I'm consistent, and I consistently over-deliver something that's tight, that has rhythm, that matches the music, the right tempo and flow, and hits the mark of the brand. I guess that would be a professional way to say it. Otherwise, I would say it like people just like what I do, and they keep asking me to do it. And that would be my my simple answer. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're both correct. You know, Got to be known for something, and you want people to yeah. recognize that that is attached to you. Let's talk about... 2014 specifically in that year alone mill you scripted produced directed edited more than 40 music videos movies short documentaries films for various clients more than 40 in that year the question is how how in the world are you able to do that where do you find the time how many people work for you all that sort of stuff i i, I don't get it well you know back when it was um you know, we're in the South, and so we didn't have Hollywood here. We have them now, but we didn't for a long time. We only had three or four movies. So in the South, it was really commercial productions. You know, your Bell South, your IBMs, Coca-Cola. That was how you made money commercially. And then you had the, the, the music video stuff going on. And, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to kind of – Ask me that in a different way because I'm trying to figure out the right way to explain it. You know, I mean, like uh, you're busy. I mean, you are a busy, okay, busy guy, yeah. and you say you're a workaholic. <laughs> uh, you know how? Okay, okay, let me let me put it to you this way. Yeah. You know how if you have ten ideas, you really don't have any because you mm -hmm. can never get that many ideas across the finish line from average to good to great, right? If you got right. forty videos, how do you get forty videos accomplished? Given given the over delivery that you talk about, um, I I've had fifty four employees at times. I've had four at times. Uh, now we just keep it small. We bring in specialized people that are hungry. I've learned get the guy that that does multiple things, who has a name on the door, who shows up. Um, get those guys to help you. I think navigating a lot of different parts of movement and being very confident, not taking a lot of time to deliberate. One of the things I am is fast and deliberate. I mean, the word director comes from the derivative decision. Mm -hmm. And so a good director is confident and he's willing to stand behind it. Sometimes even if you're wrong, sometimes I've done things, I'm like, this isn't right. But they saw my confidence. And when we were done, they were like, wow, you were so confident. That looks right. And even to me, I'm like, ah, oh, I would have done it a little differently. I'm a frustrated artist. So every project I go, what can we add in? What can we do? And we work quick and fast. Most people want something yesterday in this business. They don't have time. Um, I'm not that guy. Now, there are companies out there that take a project and have a four-month window, and they have to have a producer and director and a writer and a consultant and a PR company. 
And in the end, the video comes out. And a company pays a lot of time and money in development. And that, that's one way of doing it. Hollywood movies are done that way. And then there's those renegade gods where a few people can almost compete with that. And they're kind of like the, you know, the category killers, if you will. For some reason, I like working smaller with better guys and not having a lot of fluff. I'm pretty wise and frugal. And it's also distracting. And since I'm usually the producer, director, cameraman, and almost always the editor because I'm the concept completion guy, I'm always pushing what's happening. But then when I push something, what's happening, I can turn to an editor and say, here's what has to happen. Go get it. Shoot me a cut. And then I'm on to the next project. When he sends a cut in, I take that over, finish it, give it to the client while he's working on something else. And if I get going too much, it can be dizzying. I know my limits. I never stop at my limits. So <laughs> I always knew that if I, I raised the bar and almost got to it, that would be great. And occasionally I can get over it, but I raise it too high. Therefore, when I look back and go, wow, I didn't quite do everything I wanted, everybody else is looking at me going, wow, you did so much more than we expected. And I think that's the trick I play on myself. And workaholism and passion, just pure love for doing it. I mean, I just love, still today, right now, as much as I ever have, slinging pixels, making pictures. And because I know what people are going to feel, and that's the payoff. Do something great. People appreciate it. You don't do anything people don't know. And so that's the one thing I've been able to count on my whole career is that if you do something of quality, people notice. So that's what I try to do on everything. Talking today with Mill Cannon, a man attached to Grammy Awards, Telly Awards. I could rattle off all these other awards. So many achievements by your clients. You mentioned it earlier. This year you've done something via Facebook. And, and you have a cool Facebook page, by the way, that means a lot to you. And it is that renaissance that you started off talking about in our discussion here, one day at a time. Um, you posted something. Now, <clears throat> I want you to break that down a little further. All right. Tell me about what it's done for you. I know what it is because each day you were challenged to post something about yourself. And I'll get into one of those things here in a second. But what has it done for you? Well, it was very uncomfortable. Um, I'm always promoting everyone. I have footage no one's ever seen of me 15 years ago that, like in a famous moment that I, I didn't forgot about, you know. And so I called one of my editors. I said, let's go to the archive, look at some, some of this old stuff. Let's find some moments. My challenge is I've got to put up about 30 things this month. Uh, I felt uncomfortable about it. It's a lot of work. Uh, what are you going to say? What are you going to say not to come off trite or braggadocious? Um, I started out with it, and the first few posts were sort of professional, and then my, my mentor called me. No, no, personal. Show your heart. Tell them what you learned. Tell them what, what happened to you. Tell them what it meant to you. Uh, we can see all your words. We can see all your history, but tell them the impact it had on you. Try to articulate that. And when he told me that, it, it took a lot of pressure off. I went, okay, well, I can say that. And I just started writing things differently. I started getting a lot of feedback. I learned that people were more impressed with me saying something vulnerable about something that happened than they were about me being on the top of a mountain with Usher, I mean, or, or with Whitney Houston at the Biltmore. But they didn't care as much about the big stuff. They cared about the human stuff. And it made me feel accepted, and it made me feel less shy, and it made me come to, to this podcast, my first one ever. I've avoided all these all the time. And uh, I guess it's a way to come out of your shell. So that's kind of the impact that it had. It made me nervous. But I'm getting over it. You're doing a good job. I want to touch on one <laughs> of your greatest pieces of art. I wonder if you know okay. where I'm going with this. You posted this one on Facebook. 
as part of that renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where, where the uh, French fries came from. Maybe you worked with <sighs> McDonald's or something like that. But French fries and ketchup, and it yep. won you an award. Yep. This is amazing. Tell this story. Well, you know, uh, I'm part of a community here that has a big church, uh, North Point Community Church with Pastor Andy Stanley, and uh, I've been there for some years. We had a big uh, church, so I had a big uh, Sunday school group, and Easter was coming, and, you know, I've been working on some productions for the church, and sometimes volunteer, sometimes helping them with their marketing, and I was asked to do something fun for the kids on Sunday for Easter, and, um, you know, the Last Supper is attached to the Easter holiday, and I looked at it and I was like, okay. And I drew it for a few other things, speed through some other things of Jesus in the garden and whatnot. But then I thought, wow, could I make the last supper? And then I thought, wow, what if I did it with food? And I thought, what could you paint with? So I got a big piece of paper out. I went down to McDonald's. I bought 12 packs of, I grabbed 12 packs of uh, ketchup and a couple orders of fries, came back and I set up my time lapse. And I thought, okay, this is going to be awful. You can't touch it. It's going to dry. It's a French fry. You can't make something intricate out of all that. And lo and behold, I just focused real hard and and just did it. 90 minutes later, I thought, that's not going to be any good. I looked back and I said, is it good? I don't know if it's good or not. And that night I put it together and I sent it over for people to look at and I got instant response. And the moment the news media saw it, I was getting calls from ABC News. They were like, look what what someone can do. And uh, so... I got entered in the Tele Awards, which is a national television award in the religious category for 2020. And it won Best of Show, and it was just awesome. Got a silver Tele, which is for a piece of art. You know, I've got a bunch of Tele's for films and videos, but never for a piece of art. That's something people don't really know about me, is I'm actually an artist first, and I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a speed painter as well as an illustrator. I just don't have the time uh, in my business to spend that much time doing illustration. But I love that. And I guess later in my years, I'll probably do a lot more art because that sure has paid off and it sure was a, pl- a pleasure for a lot of people. And uh, I get a lot of a lot of feedback. I probably get more feedback on that than I do on Usher. No offense, Usher, but it's, it's, it's Jesus. It's the Last Supper. So uh, it's the one and only time I've done something like that. And look how far a little inspiration can go. So I tell all you little kids out there, all you young people coming up, just be inspired and do something. Even if it's wrong, you never know. You might paint something catch up that wins an award like I did. So it was awesome. There you go. Very maybe rewarding. maybe next is uh, spaghetti noodles and marinara sauce. Good, good luck to you <laughs> hey, on that. People have asked me to start painting other stuff with other food. I'm like, I don't have time. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was just a one-off. It was just like, could I even do this? And look what happened. So it was great. Well, you're going to get a lot of hits on your Facebook page now. <laughs> In addition to hosting this podcast, Craig leads the CAN Advisory Group, focused on elevating communication for companies and individuals. Company consulting, empowering team and individual workshops, mind-altering webinars, and Craig's inspiring keynotes for your conference or company meeting. They're all on the menu of services. CAN Advisory helps companies clarify their message, helps professionals build and showcase their brand, and helps everyone present their best selves. So if you're the leader of a team or company looking to give your employees a game-changing one-day experience or an individual who wants to become a speaker and presenter that gets other people talking, visit canadvisory.com. And when you do connect, make sure to mention the Tracks to Success podcast to receive a special discount on any of the Can Advisory services. 
That's canadvisory.com. Now back to the interview. A couple of other things before we go. This podcast is called Tracks to Success. I believe that everybody has an inner genius. Uh, My gut tells me you believe the same thing. And the joy of our careers is finding it and then figuring out how we're going to take it and putting it to use to provide value and help other people, which gives us inspiration and a feeling of, wow, I really did something that's meaningful. What is your inner genius? Have you found it? Um, I know it. I know my inner genius. If I go with my instincts and don't think about it, everything I do comes out amazing. If I think it through, analyze it through, share it with a bunch of other people, um, I start to lose my confidence in the original feeling that I've got or the original inspiration that I have. And so a lot of times I would say that that's knowing, just knowing that's a good idea. Do it. Don't, don't matter what anybody thinks, just do it. Uh, those are the pieces and projects in my entire life which actually turn out the best. Um, the other thing I would say that comes along with it is, and I tell this to all the young people that, you know, I mentor to, I speak for the Grammys, Music Cares, and other things in colleges, and when I do those uh, roundtables or super panels, I always say the same thing. If you're an artist, you're an artist, you do it every day, whether you have a job, whether someone's paying you, whether your friends want to go to the beach. If you're for real, for real a photographer, you take pictures when no one's paying you. Work on your crap, work on your crap, work on your crap. Have cultural surveillance. Look at what's around you. Look at what's hot. When Usher needs a video, he, he, need, he doesn't need the hottest tennis shoe that's out. He needs the next tennis shoe that's coming. And you have to really have some cultural surveillance and really study. I found that if you go online and look at what's happening, it can be a, it can be a wellspring of ideas for something original just by seeing what other people do or don't do. And so I would say those things. My genius is, is cultural surveillance and really trying to understand what what my feelings are, what can I do for them? And if I follow that, that's my genius. And if I get distracted from that, my projects aren't quite as good. So I know there's a little bit of a the difference between good and great is extra. So I think the difference between great and really great is instincts. And so I trust my instincts. That's my genius. Yeah, ordinary doesn't cut it today. It's extraordinary that everybody's looking for, and we cannot follow the curve. We've got to find a way to set the curve. You just talked about the sneaker thing with Usher. To me, that ties right into that. Um, Help our listeners. Many are probably searching for, I don't know, a moment in the spotlight. I've talked about some big-name superstars that you've worked with and all of those things, and they've obviously had many moments in the spotlight. A lot of people want that. They want that opportunity to to shine, you know, to get tapped on the shoulder and be given that chance to show what they can do because some people never get tapped on the shoulder. What advice would you give to somebody who's searching for that that opportunity that they think they might never get? Right. Um, a lot of people talk about it. In fact, almost everybody. Everybody wants to be the director. Uh, 99% of the people that get in film, I want to be the director until they realize what the director has to do, what his responsibility is, and they go, I want to be the audio director. And they end up being an audio person and a lifelong audio post person. You know, people get in this business and it lends them different, you know, it takes them different paths, you know. I would say that um, uh, show up. If you want to be in the music business, get into a studio as an intern, get around music people. You can't be it if you're not around it. You're not going to be able to call and get to the front door. There's 10,000 people trying to do that already. Um, if you're a filmmaker in a market that doesn't have 
any big companies to go to, find a local band and make a video that can get out on the internet and send it to some big city production companies and get hired. If you want to be around actors, you know, get into some auditions, go around movie sets, meet people. You know, a lot of the people I know in the film business started out as a production assistant and they went and got coffee and, you know, when you're young, it's okay. You can do that. When you're older, it's a little harder, but that's how you get around it. You got to be in it because, you know, when I work with artists, you know, if I ask them for an autograph, they're going to look at me and go, what are you doing, man? We work together, you know? And so there's a, there's a, you get a, you get a much better chance to be around it if you're working in it. And so if you want to be in film, go get a film job. If you want to be in TV, go get a TV job. If you want to be an actor, go to some acting classes and some auditions and work on bad films until you get a good film until you're around some real lead actors. I think if you take anybody who's made it, they're all going to have a connection of stories just like that. They're going to have met somebody doing this. I mean, there was a band guy I met the other day. He's now famous, but he was in three other bands that end up falling, and he didn't know what was happening. And the third band he was in, one of the guys got famous and brought him with it. So you never know how you're going to get there, but you're not going to get there if you're not in it. So you got to be around what you want to be or you're not going to have a chance. An experienced sailor never learns from calm seas. There is no straight right. path to success. There's bumps in the road, failures, all that sort of stuff. You had your humble beginnings. You shared some of that. You went out on your own. You ventured. Here's my last thing. Sure. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to say about you? Um, not necessarily the people that you've worked with, but the impact you've made. What do you want that to be? Well, I mean, that could be so many things. Uh, I really don't think about those things that much. I guess if if I wanted people to say anything, it would be that Millport in, and he really he loved on people with his camera. You know, when I was three and that happened, and I was introduced to the camera till right now, I've always had a passion that when I'm working, it's easy. Uh, life is hard, but when I'm working, is easy. And you know, people know me for what I do and how I do it, and I never have to market that. What a blessing to know what you wanted to do all your life. You know, I, I'm just one of those rare people who got thrusted into it. And it, it's been a journey. Um, that's been my track to success. For people I've met along the way, they get in, you know, some people are in their 20s, 30s, sometimes in their 40s. And I've seen some of those people really do well also because they just made up the time and, uh, and they found connections. And I've helped a lot of people connect. I've got interns and apprentices, hundreds of them that are in the past. I've taught, you know, rooms of people and give speeches and worked on many, many production crews and different directors and different lighting people. And you know, I've had facilities, so we've had people come into our facilities. So I think that what I want people to know is I came here, I worked hard, I made as many squares as I possibly could, and then I left. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of awards all around you. I'm sure you've got a lot of photos taken with some really special people. I really appreciate the snapshot you've given us on your career, your path, your journey. Image Mill, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough. Thanks. This podcast um, is called Tracks to Success, and you've never done one. So for me to be able to be the My guy first. that got to ask you some questions and get us there, um, give you the credit that you truly deserve, I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Thank you so much. Well, Craig, thank you. And I tell you what, I'll, I'll let everyone know for the rest of my life that it was your podcast was my first thing, just like a record, just like a music video for an emerging artist. So thank you for helping me get started on this side of the square. Well, you crushed it. All the best. And I know we'll talk again soon. You got it. Thank you so much. In our conversation, 
Mills shared the story of a trailer park and leaving home at a young age, digging a big-time career right out of the dirt, which leads me to my one last thing. If you want to be an influencer, don't let your dreams be turned away by a rough start or a life of great challenge or people saying you simply can't or won't. Did you hear the names of the people Mill has worked with? It all happened with hard work and a belief that something great was out there for his taking. One great piece of work leads to another, and that leads to another. Before you know it, you've built a following of people who believe in what you do enough to share it with others. That's how personal and professional brands and reputations are built, and how you can create your own path to the promised land. Mill has said he chases performance-based approval, meaning he's let his work do the talking for him. So here's my quick tip. Work to be extraordinary, not ordinary, in anything that has your name attached to it. Do that, and your tracks to success become a whole lot easier. I've got a favor to ask. If you're listening to this podcast, be sure and give it a rating and also a review. I hope you'll spread the word. And if you have a guest you think belongs on Tracks to Success, email me directly at info at canadvisory.com. Until next time, I'm Craig Can. Thanks for listening. Tracks to Success, brought to you by Presentation Partners, visual storytellers passionate about connecting presenters with their audience. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for more great interviews and thoughts on reaching your highest personal and professional summit. You can follow Craig on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Craig Can. And for exclusive Tracks to Success content and news about our upcoming guests, you can find Tracks to Success on Twitter. It's at Tracks to Success.